Hi, everyone. Louise here for this very special bonus election episode of the Best Parts Podcast. We're here at the very end of October, days before the U.S. presidential election. In fact, this episode will air on Election Day in the U.S., and it will be a very historic day at that. On past episodes, we've talked briefly and sporadically about the events that are going on in the U.S. right now. And together, as a community, we want to lean into this space a little bit more and talk about some of the things that are really weighing heavy on our minds and weighing heavy on our heart. Now, as your favorite Canadian on the show, I'm going to be your moderator today. And it's not because I'm not impacted by these events, but my perspective is vastly different. I am interested in the outcome because my country, as well as many others around the world, are affected by the direction the U.S. wants to go. The big difference is I have zero control over what goes on. And like I've said before, often I feel like I'm watching a movie. And what's happening in the U.S. is not reality to me, but it is reality. It's reality for my co-hosts, my friends, and many of you. Now, just as I don't represent all 19 million people in Canada, we are aware that Nikki, Kim, Laura, and Sarah don't represent all of the U.S., but we're not here to campaign or talk about things in generalities. Today, we're here to talk about how we're managing, how we're dealing, and how we're able to get through some of the really bumpy parts. It's about how we are being impacted by big events we often feel like we have very little control over. Today's conversation will unfold like many of our conversations. We invite you to pull up a chair and to be a part of this one with us. So let's get started. And I kind of wanted to dive into what you're most fearful of happening after the election. My biggest fear is that I'm going to lose my federal rights for my marriage. There's a Supreme Court situation and they're talking about possibly overturning gay rights federally and putting it to the states. That's one of my biggest personal fears is that I might lose hundreds of rights that I have right now. Now for Overall, I, I fear that the country is going to become, no matter who gets elected, I fear that the country is going to be even more and more divided. And I fear what's going to happen in our nation. How is this or why is this election seem to be so much bigger or decisive, I guess, than past elections? Is that just my perspective as an outsider looking in? Or is there some really big things that are going on now that haven't gone on before? Other than COVID? Which does impact because it's become about voter suppression, even more publicly because of COVID. That is, it's caused a tremendous amount of problems. I will say personally, this, I have to own that I can't speak about this without becoming very emotional. This election shows where Americans are as a people. And I equated it to the fall of other great civilizations throughout history to a friend the other day. And we've been toppling for some time. And I, my focus right now for myself personally has become about how do we start to regain footing with our own humanity personally, right? Starting with ourselves, looking at ourselves because I don't think we've taken the time to do that in a really long time. And for sure, we haven't taken the time to look at each other. We have been 
on this tipping point, as I said, for a long time. I believe we've been on this tipping point since our 16th president, which is Abraham Lincoln. And if you put it in context of what was happening in this country at that time, against what's going on in the country at this time, I think you can have a sense of the importance of what happens next. Louise, you asked the importance of this election and just Kim's voice tells you about how a lot of Americans are feeling right now and people from other countries, just that pain you can hear. It's just, it's been a very tumultuous time for us and it's getting uglier and uglier the closer we get to election day with the talking heads and the back and forth and the political fights online. And so I like Kim saying, let's take a look at ourselves and take control of what we can. So when you do that, when you like take a look at yourself and see what's happening, how are you managing the the overwhelm and the the I get this sense, this huge sense that there's really this there's this desire to be impactful, there's this desire to make change in the world, yet it seems like often in US elections that there's very little control over what the individual can do, what impact through the electoral process that can happen. So I'm curious, how are you managing that? So this is one of the things that I have been talking to my 80-year-old parents about who are very distraught and, in my opinion, watching too much TV and looking at too much stuff on social media. What I've tried to say to them and what I've said to friends is there is only so much we can do right now. We can't go knock. We because we did that in 2016. We went door to door knocking, trying to get people to, you know, to get out the vote. You can't do that now. So I can vote, I can give money, I can phone or text bank. But other than that, it to me, it doesn't really behoove me to spend hours a day on the cable news channels or in social media. And so I have a very hard boundary about that. But you asked about control. I live in a state that does not have the same political beliefs that I have. And so while I vote, my vote doesn't get counted per se. And that's tough. I mean, I think that's really tough. I think that's one of the toughest things is that, you know, there are things, limited things I can do as an individual, particularly in the season of COVID, in the season of a pandemic. But even more frustrating, I think, on a, to a lot of people is that my vote's not going to count. My vote doesn't go towards my candidate. My vote will go up and then somebody else will make a decision. It's hard feeling powerless as you're saying, vote, here's my vote sticker. I went for early voting in person to make sure that my ballot was handed to somebody and trusting that the process will unfold as it should. And so for me, it's really about what can I do knowing the small amount that I do about the electoral college. And also within that overwhelm is the media blip and the talking heads and all of that. And for me, Part of that is managing how I engage. I don't just sit down and binge watch the news cycle because I can't. It's very destructive for me. It's too much, but I do want to make sure I'm informed. And so I read the news. I also try to vary where I read the news. So it's not just places that I know I'm going to get my political beliefs fed. I try to vary it. Sometimes it is incredibly hard and painful to do so, but that is what helps me feel like, A, I know what I'm talking about. So if I'm having a conversation with somebody on any part of the spectrum, whether or not it pains me (laughs) because it's so different than what I think, I 
am informed to the best of my ability and to the best of my capacity. And if I'm talking to somebody who hasn't made up their mind, I feel like I can address that from a base of knowledge. Again, whether I agree with it or not, at least it gives me that perspective. I'm always in life and in especially this election, I seek to understand. I'm very curious and I like to know, even if it doesn't resonate with me. So I do feel powerless a lot of the time because I know I voted and I know it matters because if everybody just said, screw it, I'm not going to vote because it doesn't count, then we're screwed anyway. So that's what I have within my capacity right now to manage what's happening. Well, for me, it's not only controlling the input that I get, which is so very important. A long time ago, I stopped regularly watching and listening to the news because I recognized it wasn't healthy for me. And I obviously want to be informed and I have a 10-year-old and it's very important that she see both sides of this, that she see the pain, right? She sees the pain that I feel. I don't hide that from her. And we have this opportunity to talk into what are the changes we can make in our lives? How can we stand up differently? Even though we are not going out and about and knocking on doors, what can we do? I've worked with her on creating her own activism toolbox. Like what is it that you carry with you through your life? And it may be physical things that she carries with her, like poster board and sparkles and uh, and Sharpies. And it also can be courage, the courage to speak up when we feel that injustice is being done. It is also our own internal light, right? We all have it. And one of the things that she and I talk about a lot lately is how much light there still is in the world. It may feel dark. It may feel scary. We may all be sitting on this precipice of, holy crap, what's going to happen next? And if we all turned on our heart light, if we all turned on that part of ourselves that we could see for ourselves and that we can see in others, we would start that process of getting to a place where I would be happy to have our daughter grow up and be a part of where it didn't feel like it was a struggle and that she was fighting for herself and for others. It's also about being mindful of where you interact and engage and not, what did Sarah say, become a keyboard warrior because you're angry because somebody said something that pissed you off and you're going to take them down by whatever means possible. And so when you said the activism toolbox, that's put that thought in my head as to you know, somebody posted something not too long ago that man just shot that anger to the top of the thermometer. And I wanted to respond very harshly. And, but again, being mindful of that, maybe in the midst of that cartoon thermometer exploding at the top is not the time to engage. So to have a toolbox like that, which I personally don't have, but as soon as we're done here, I'm probably going to be putting one together to have something that I can go to respond from instead of from that heightened emotion. Yeah. Like Cause those heightened emotions stars. are there. Yeah. They're there. And man do, right. I regularly want to speak my mind in that way. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so not uh, constructive. <laughs> if everybody's yelling, nobody's listening. I had a situation back at the last election where a friend that I wasn't super close with, but you know, we were connected through different people, wrote something on my Facebook wall that was racist. And 
we went back and forth and had a political war on my Facebook page. And we are no longer friends because I was horrified that she knew who I was and to write something racist on my page, I couldn't even believe it. (laughs) And since then, I've done a lot of soul searching about how I show up in the world, how I show up on social media. I very rarely put up much political at all. I try to put up constructive things. I no longer go back and forth about things. And that's the difference for me right now is I was in political wars all the time on social media in 2016 and 17. And I've realized it's not helpful and I'm not going to change someone's mind (laughs) through social media. I just think it's about surrounding yourself with people who are going to lift you up during this time. And, you know, I do have some people that maybe don't believe in the same political things I do. And we've had constructive conversations behind the scenes. That's been a big change for me because I used to be that keyboard warrior. I used to just get angry and speak from anger. And that's a big change for me is I just haven't done that. And I've really, really, like Kim said, I've really cut down my news intake. I've cut down my scrolling on Twitter intake. And I've just tried to focus on the things I can control. Like I just created election night bingo because I want to have fun. So (laughs) kind of where I shared it with us. Yes. yes. put it out on the social media, the interwebs for anyone that wants it. But that those are the little things is just realizing where do I want to put my focus on? I don't want to put my focus on trying to fight with someone online. Well, and I have to think, I mean, love me some Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but her best friend on the court was her political opposite. And they figured out a way to communicate. They figured out a way to become very close friends. And it wasn't by screaming at each other. It was the respect. It was the conversation. It was the consideration. There's so many pieces to it that there is a way to do it. It has been modeled for us at a very high level, but it can't be a one-way street. I can't be sitting in a place of high emotion yelling at somebody and they're trying to calmly have a conversation because we're not communicating then. And so to be able to figure out and take that breath and be like, okay, let's actually listen. Let's be respectful. Let's have a conversation. And remember, we like each other. Yes, we want people around us who believe what we believe, who can lift us up in times when we're not feeling fantastic. But at the same time, it's being open to people who have different beliefs. And to have this We don't want to just be so focused on our view, but to be open to the world, to have really honest and respectful conversations about what really is going on. There's so much misinformation out there. How do we step into a place that we're still in integrity with our values and we can still hear people and listen to what they want to say? I think that's one of the things that frightens me the most is you mentioned misinformation, right? I feel like that part of the problems that we have is that we talk about wanting to get out of our bubbles, but people really tend to stay in their own echo chamber and all they hear is what they want to hear. And I also want to say that I had a part that just actually was completely over anybody who didn't believe like me. And I had to do some serious work with that part. And what I found was, is that a part underneath that part had been hurt. So, I mean, it was just really interesting to realize that, yeah, there's a part of me that doesn't want anything to do with people that don't believe like me, but most of my, most of my parts don't feel that way. So I think as much as we would love to all be very open-minded, I think we all definitely have preferences and biases. And I think it's important that we at least acknowledge that too. Yeah. I feel like we talk a lot of 
on our podcast about being curious, right? Being curious about ourselves Mm -hmm. and, but also extending that to being curious about others, extending that curiosity to others as well as ourselves. Yeah. And I was able to see one of our vice presidential candidates speak at a, a seminar here in San Francisco. And they said, I believe this nation can come together. We have more things in common than what divides us. And I think about that a lot because, yeah, we might have different political beliefs, but at the end of the day, we all want to be able to sleep at night. Those of us that have children want our children to have a brighter future. We want to be able to be friends with our neighbors. We want to be kind. And sometimes some of this political back and forth can really get the best of us. And so I think about that a lot of we really all have more in common than what divides us. The problem is all that we see lately is what divides us. And that's something I've been really focusing on is, you know what, there's a few people in my life that are very different politically than me, and they're still good people. And that's what I'm hoping for is, is we start to realize that we're a lot more similar than we think. And if we can find a way to get to that middle ground, it would be so beautiful, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And, and so I want to put that out there to the group is how are you managing with people who are either geographically close to you, like neighbors or people on your street when their beliefs or their actions are very much not in alignment with, with your beliefs and your values? And also what about your family? How is that all working? What are some of the things or the strategies that are that you're implementing to help yourself manage through this messy middle part. Where I live, 95% of the people have the same thought process. So day to day, I don't see a lot of the division in my neighborhood, in my city, in this area. And not to say that there isn't some, but you just don't see a lot of that. Where I see it is on the news or with people on social media putting up things that are divisive. And so what I do is choose what I'm going to focus on and choose what I'm going to react to. And as far as my family goes, my biggest concern is that my dad says he's not going to vote because his count, his vote doesn't matter because he lives in a state that it doesn't matter. And so my goal is just like dad, vote no matter what, like it just let your voice be heard. So that's, those are my coping mechanisms. Sarah, what you just said about let your voice be heard is I think It's so important right now, and especially to the question, Louise, that you just asked, is dealing with people who think differently than us. So I, too, live in a place where a high percentage of the people directly around me throughout this area politically align in a direction that I align. However, there are lots of other ways that I'm seeing we're not in alignment. I mean, when you're in the same place for nine months with COVID, I've been here for nine months and I've gotten to know the surrounding area, my neighborhood, but also the surrounding area a bit more. I've really started to understand the landscape and it's fascinating how the assumption is made that because you politically align with somebody that you agree with them on all points. And it is hard when you don't agree with them on all points because it may not be political. It may be about mask wearing. It may be about trick-or-treating. It may be all the different things that it could be about that are not political and yet can still be divisive, can still make you feel like an outsider when you don't agree with those around you. And the way that I approach that is I gently use my voice. 
is I speak my truth as far as I know it for the moment. And I recognize that as a human being, I am entitled to change my mind. I am entitled to take every moment and recognize in that moment what is best for me or my family right then. And it may be different a week later, five minutes later, a year later. And that's okay. We are human beings. We are allowed to change our mind from moment to moment as things change, as we have new information, as we feel differently with that information, as we process that information. So I think it's so important that we have that opportunity to use our voices gently, not screaming. You know, I'm not going to go outside my door and tell people to F off because I don't agree with them. I'm going to let them live their lives and I'm going to live mine. And we hopefully will find other ways to connect and be together and be in community. I love that, Kim. You know, when we talk about shouting our our message from the mountaintop, but there's also a collective idea that a million whispers are also heard too. So how can you put your voice out into the world and still be in integrity and be within your values? I wanted to wrap up our conversation today around really diving into hope and I would love to know what it is that you're most hopeful for. What is this? I feel like we might not wake up on the 4th of November and know exactly where we're all headed, but it's really no different than any other day because we don't know what tomorrow brings even today. So I wanted to know and and dive into a little bit more about what are you hopeful for? What comes from this? I'm hopeful to never see a political ad for two more years on my TV or in my mailbox. <laughs> I'm so, I'm like, I can't believe how much paper is wasted on just every day. We have a recycling bin near the front door and it's full of political ads. So I'm, I joke, I'm hopeful for that, but on a more serious level, I'm just, I'm hopeful for change. I'm hopeful for finding a way, like I said earlier, to meet in the middle. Well, we're never going to always agree. I'm just hopeful that humanity and kindness can rear its head instead of some of the ugliness that has been rearing its head in the last few years. I'm just hopeful. I, it, it may be my nature. I don't know. I feel the the deep fear and the deep sadness. And as an empath, I am energetically connected with a lot of pain in the world right now. I'm still hopeful. Time after time after time, history has shown us that this struggle between what feels like darkness and what feels like something that's opening up, something that is light and welcoming exists. We've seen it time and time and time again in great literature, great pieces of art have been created based on this. And that's what gives me hope as we as human beings are just trying to figure this shit out. We still are, and we will continue to. And that gives me hope. It gives me hope that we will figure a way to come through this. I don't know what it's going to look like. I hope it's during my lifetime. And my hope is that our daughter and all of the children in the world right now get a chance to feel the light. I have parts that are hopeful that people will realize that democracy has to be worked for and that there are more people like Kim raising up their children to have a toolbox to be an activist. I guess that's my hope is that people will start to realize this doesn't come for free. You ask you have to actually work for it. 
And I think that's something that we may have forgotten. So I, that's what I hope. I hope that people realize we've set on our laurels. We've allowed it to be okay for us to believe that people of color don't matter and it can't stay that way. So that's what I'm hopeful for. My hope is born from the pain that has been finally brought to the surface because I feel like so many things that we just accepted as air quotes, just how they are to be has had, has left us in this simmering pain and these areas that need to be reworked. And like Laura just said, that work of democracy, but also the work of democracy in places that has intentionally and unintentionally been glossed over in the past. Like, oh, we'll just worry about this group of oppressed people later. We'll just worry about this takes care of most people. So they'll just have to wait their turn. And that pain has been made so acute and so brought to the surface for people who weren't aware of it. And so my hope is now that we see it now that the light is shining in those places and that awareness is there. Now we can make changes. Now we can start working into healing and doing better because there's places I didn't even know I was not doing well that are at the front of my awareness now that I cannot not do better. And that was an intentional double negative, Louise. I know how you feel about those. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. And and I think what I'm hearing from everyone here and even the sense that I get generally from across the border is that it is that whole idea that what it really is time to roll up our sleeves and that we've been sitting back maybe a little bit on our laurels and just thinking that things were going to be okay. And that freedom isn't free and that we constantly need to be sharing what we believe in a way that feels good to us but also being curious as to what is going on uh, in the world and going on around us. And by keeping that curiosity alive, by keeping that spark alive, by continually working towards a life and and a country and a democracy that we all can be proud of, it's continual work. It's not like, you know, you get to dust off your hands at the end of the day and say, oh yeah, I'm out, right? It's it's not like that. It's a continuous effort, but yet it's so very rewarding and so very deserving to be on that path. I'm curious, Louise, what you just spoke to, was that what your hope is? I think my hope for humanity in itself, for everyone, is the realization that, you know, just because we are up for an election and we get to put a new leader into place, regardless of who that leader is, our our struggle doesn't stop. Our voice doesn't become silent. We continually need to be rolling up our sleeves and in whatever capacity that is in order to have a working democracy, in order to be a part of what we cherish so much about the freedom that we have that we're lucky to have I think like that's not that I think that's work that is work and I think my hope for everyone is to understand that it's just not a one and done it's just not like let's campaign for however many months before the election and then okay now we have to live with the next 
X number of years. It, it doesn't work that way. It's a continuous bit of energy we need to find in our lives to be able to put into that bucket because it's important. We've fought for this. Ancestors have fought for this where I'm really proud of the country that I live in. And I want to continue to be proud of the country that I live in. And that is a continued effort that I need to put forward every day. And I think we all do. That's my hope anyways. Thank you for sharing that from up north, Louise. Appreciate your thought process. Louise, I just want to really thank you for taking the time to host um, and moderate this discussion today. And I'd like to thank my co-hosts for taking the time as well. I think it's so important that although we may align in many ways with how we're feeling right now, the dialogue is so important. And I just really appreciate the openness and the willingness to take this on. Well, thank you all for sharing today. I know it's not an easy time and I really appreciate the time that we took to lean into the space. Together, we are a community of women who are impacted by events that go on around us. And we leaned in here today to share with everyone our thoughts, our fears, our hopes, and our strategies for coping. I truly believe, and I, I believe that I speak for everyone here on the podcast, that we truly believe together we are stronger. So thank you everyone for finding the time here today to pull up a chair and being a part of our community. We see you, we love you. And until next time, remember all the parts are the best parts. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Best Parts Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media or with anyone you think would enjoy it. After all, sharing is caring. And be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts as it helps others find us. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at The Best Parts Podcast or visit our website at thebestpartspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember that all the parts are the best parts. <laughs>